now. Come on now. Who's excited to be here this morning? You got to make a little bit of noise. You may be seated. You may be seated. Look at the person sitting beside say, happy birthday. Look back at them say, happy birthday. And then say, what did you get me for my birthday? Come on. Right? Well, happy birthday, Better Life Church, man. We are so excited to be here this morning. We're so excited to worship the Lord with you guys. Thank you so much for coming out and hanging out with us. This is our 12-year anniversary, and I'm telling you what, this last 12 years has just been unbelievable. Unbelievable to see what God has done. In fact, 12 years ago, if you'd have asked me, is this what you pictured? And I would say, no, it's way more than I'd ever thought God would do in this region. And then Grayson, man, celebrating the one year anniversary. Come on, we're talking. Grayson, we love you guys, man. We love you guys, and people thought, hey, this won't work, and you're going to Grayson, and it wasn't, won't work, and you won't be able to stream live a message there. Well, you tell the 500 people who showed up this Christmas, and all the lives have been changed, that God will do whatever it takes to reach people with the gospel. And we're just so glad uh, to see what God's doing. Pastor Aaron, man, he's hilarious, man. Pastor Aaron, our campus pastor at Grayson, he's amazing. In fact, uh, we, we're going to be really blessed, but coming up here on the first Sunday in March, Pastor Aaron's going to be right here preaching at Moorhead. I'm so excited. You want to be here for this one, man. We're really excited about you. We love you guys uh, there in Grayson. You know, 12 years ago, I woke up on this morning and it was about 5 o'clock in the morning. We rent an apartment downtown here in Moorhead. And I walked out on the back deck, and it was freezing cold. I mean freezing cold. And I walked out there, and I looked, and you could barely see the sun was rising. It was still dark. And I began to pray, God, would you give us this city? God, would you give us this city? No one knew about our church. No one knew exactly what was going to happen. We, you know, we were portable for nine and a half years, moving all over the place until finally we built this facility. Uh, we just wanted to just honor God in our finances and things and waited till we had the right time and, the, and enough money to begin to break ground. And uh, we began to pray, God, give us this city. And eventually that prayer began to go, God, give us these cities. God, give us this region. We knew we would be a regional church from day one. We knew day one that God was going to draw people from all over our surrounding counties to see what God is up to right here in this region. But I'm telling you what, God is just bigger than this region. He wants to see great and grand things. And I believe with everything within me, everything within me, we've not even begun to see what God is about to do here. And I'm telling you what, you know how he's going to do this? He's going to do it through you. And we've been in this series, the Seek series, and I hope to goodness that God's been speaking to you and using this in your life. He has grown me over the last four weeks in my own prayer life and just stretching me and doing things in my life. And I hope he's been doing it in yours as well. And as we end this series called See, we're going to continue on this focus of prayer. Because we talked about how do we get in position to really pursue God and seek after him. And then we talk about the posture. The posture is the posture of prayer. And last week we talked about the promise that God always, always will answer your prayer. Sometimes he don't answer the way that we want him to, but he will always answer our prayer. And it's with that focus of prayer, I want to continue uh, in this guided prayer that we've been going through through this month to really focus on your heart. You know, in the Christian world, Prayer is the most talked about thing. Do you notice that? Anytime you go to church, anytime you hear about, you know, any religious gathering or Christian gathering, it's always focused or talked about prayer. However, it's the least practiced discipline amongst Christians. Christians really just don't really, truly pray. You know, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived, 
He was called the Prince of Preachers because he was such an eloquent, great preacher. You can look him up online. You can listen, you know, you can read some of his manuscripts. Uh, one of the greatest preachers ever lived. He, he made this statement. He said, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Because there's something about the power of prayer when someone would just get on their face before God and ask God to do something great in their life, in their, in their region, in their city, what God does when he shows up. And it's with that today, I want, I want, here's, here's my challenge to you on our 12th anniversary, is this, I, I, I have five things, I have five things that I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray. And these are not homework that you get to go this week and pray. You can. We're going to pray them today together as a community, as a family of faith. These five things that I want you to pray. If you say, Pastor, what do you want me to do this year? What's your focus for the year? What's the 2020 win, the 2020 vision? It would be these five things that I want you to pray. Very simple, but very bold, very audacious. In fact, I'm going to go on and say this. Some of you are going to have a very hard time praying these things. Because of what ifs. Well, what if God answers that? What if God comes through with that? What if God does that? And you may not know exactly how to handle it. So this morning, I just want you to trust him. Trust him that he's going to do something great in your life. And he wants to do something great through your life because he still has a purpose for you. How do I know? Because you're still breathing. And you're here this morning. You're not here by accident. You're not here by mistake. God brought you to one of our campuses because he has a word that he wants to speak to you. So here's what we're going to do. Grab your Bible. And I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, and there's three um, of the prayers are found in this, in this passage is what I really want to pull out, three of those prayers, but I've got a couple more that I want to share with you first. So go to Isaiah chapter 6, hang tight right there, and we'll get there just in a moment. So you ready to get started? So let's go. All right, happy birthday. Here we go. Here's the first prayer that I want you to begin to pray. Here it is. I want you to pray this, Lord, stretch me. God, I want you to stretch me. I want you to increase my territory. I want you to stretch my faith. I want you to stretch. I want this to be the year that I get out of my comfort zone, that I get out of my safe place, and I want you to stretch me. See, a lot of times this is a very dangerous prayer because what if God begins to stretch my faith? What if God wants me to do something great? What if God calls me to do something that maybe I don't want to do? You know, we have all these prayers like, God, I pray that you bless me. Nothing wrong with that. I pray for God to bless me all the time. God bless me. God found favor in me. God, give me favor as I go amongst people. God, I want you to help me. God, I want you to lead me. God, I want you to direct me. I pray those all the time. But I want to start praying prayers like this, kind of dangerous prayers and say, God, I want you to stretch me. I want you to help me take a step of faith. For instance, some of you, one stretched prayer for you or one step of faith is today after our services, we're having a baptism. Today, you should be baptized. In fact, the Bible commands you, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, your next step is baptism. You have been commanded to be baptized and not being baptized is a direct violation against God's word. It's a being disobedient. Today's that step of faith. Well, I'm nervous. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm good enough. I still sin. I still mess up. And we all mess up. That doesn't stop you from taking the step of faith and putting the jersey on and being baptized. For some of you, that's a step you need to take today. For some of you, you need to take a step of faith to start serving. Hundreds and hundreds of people at both campuses show up every single week. You have an opportunity to serve and say, you know what, that's a stretch for me. I don't know if God can use me that way. This is the year you pray, God, stretch me. Get me out of my comfort zone. For some of you, you need to jump in a group. We're getting ready to launch them just in a few weeks. And maybe be part of a group. Maybe host a group and say, hey, you know what, be part of the movement that God's doing right here because, folks, you are part of a movement. God didn't come to Moorhead and, and Grayson and these cities to start a church. God came here to start a movement. 
And anything moves that's healthy, anything that grows is healthy. And as we continue to grow, we got to look at our hearts to make sure that we're in the right place. God, stretch me. Maybe God wants you to start sharing your faith to other people. In fact, I know he does. But maybe, God, I need you to stretch me as I share my story, share my testimony, share my faith. God, stretch me that every day I'm going to set five minutes aside. Every day, five minutes, I'm going to read your Bible. I'm going to read the Word five minutes a day. Five minutes. Five minutes? I can't, man. Five minutes? You, if you ain't got five minutes, something wrong. You need to call us. We got some counseling sessions coming up. Five minutes. Like five minutes. I'm going to start praying every day. That's a step for you because some like, I don't know how to pray. I don't even know uh, what to say to God. In fact, I don't know what I even do. I'm going to take a step and say, God, I'm going to talk to you every day for five minutes, at least five minutes a day. Five minutes, start small. You don't have to start great and grand. So my question to you right now is how is God stretching you, getting you out of your complacency, getting out of your, 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 your safe spot? Where at in your life are you playing it safe? Like if God doesn't show up, you're going to utterly fail. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like you live a life of faith. You're praying like I did 13 years ago. God, would you do something so big in my life that only you can get the glory for it and only you could get the credit for? And he's like, uh, yeah, leave everything and go start a church with no money, no people, no nothing, no place to meet. Just trust me and go. What? I didn't know it was going to be that big. You know what I'm saying? But you prayed it. You asked for it. That's what I want all of us to do. God, would you do something so big in my life, so big in my family, so big in our community, so big in our church, that only you can get the glory for it? Like no man can take credit for what God has done here. No group can take credit for what God is. What you have seen here in Moorhead and Grayson is a sheer act of God. We have seen over 3,000 people saved in 12 years. What? What? Family trees have been changed. Marriages have been mended. Addictions have been broken. Because of God. Not because of me. Not because of a building. Not because of a church. It's because God has showed up. When you see change, that means the presence of Jesus is in that place. And he's here and he's here every single week showing up. God, do something so big in our life that you could only get the glory for it. You could get the credit for it. In fact, Hebrews 11 says this. It's impossible to please God without faith. See, this is the year I want you to stretch your faith. This is the year right now you're going to pray, God, stretch me. In fact, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it right now. In fact, go ahead, bow your head. And if you would be so bold, here's what I want you to pray. God, stretch me. I'm even scared to pray that, God, but would you stretch my faith? Will you stretch me? Will you get me out of my comfort zone? And whatever that is for you, the answer is yes. God, could this be the year? Yes, I have all these goals and ambitions, and I'm going to get in shape, and I have all these, you know, all these New Year resolutions. That, that's cool, that's cool. But God, may this be the year that you stretch me, that you would do something so big in my life that only you can get the glory for it, and that only you could get the credit for. God, stretch me. Okay, now let's go. Back here, look back up. Isaiah chapter 6. Now, this passage is amazing. There's so much context we could preach for weeks in this. But let's give you a background. King Uzziah died. He's been reigning for 52 years. There's prosperity. The economy's doing everything. It's great. It's going on. But home, the, the, the king went sideways, and he rebelled, and he died of leprosy. It's, just, it's a crazy ending story. But the king died, and everybody's upset. No one knows what to do. So the prophet Isaiah comes, and he writes this in Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, he says this, I saw the Lord seated on his throne, 
high and exalted, and his train of his robe filled the temple. I, I just want to stop right there. I just want to stop right there. The king died. The city was uproar. The region was uproar. No one knows what's next. Who's going to lead the Israelites? Who's going to lead the people? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to protect us? Everyone's scared. Everyone doesn't know what to take place. And it's kind of a little bit what's going on right now in our world. The world is crazy. Everything's happening. Wars, rumors of wars. All the scandals are taking place. Everyone doesn't know. Everyone's scared. And listen, if you, <laughs> if you deal with anxiety and depression, please stop watching the media. Please. I'm serious. It will depress you. I don't even check it anymore. Like, I don't, have, I don't have time to let something like that feed my mind. Like, it's the end of the world. It's going to happen. And this party gets this party. And this country gets this party. I'm right. No, we shouldn't do this. Ah, ah, ah. Like, I don't want to leave the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm walking down Kroger and I'm going, someone's going to get me. What's up with it? Like, I'm... But I want you to see the picture here. Jesus sitting on his throne, not panicking. Not scared. Not going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? King Uzziah died. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? No, no, no. I want you to know this. Please hear me. Jesus promised us in this world you'll have trouble. Jesus tells us it will get worse before it gets better. But listen to me. He is still on his throne. He is still in control. We have nothing to fear or be afraid of. He is there. And he saw the Lord sitting on the throne. And then it says in verse 2, above him were the seraphs. And this is kind of a crazy scene. He's just like, the, the, each of these, these things had six wings. Two of them covered their face. Two of them covered their feet. Two of them were flying. In my mind, I picture like a hummingbird. I don't know. That's how my mind works. Is it pray for me? And, and it says in verse 3, and they were calling to one another, holy, 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 is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. Now think about this, 24-7, these things fly around the throne of God and saying, holy, 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 you, you, the world is full, the, the earth is full of your glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Then, watch this, verse 5, here we go. Woe to me! Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I've lived among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen Jesus, the King, the Lord Almighty. Here's a second prayer that I want you to pray is this, God, ruin me. God, would you ruin me? Woe is me, <laughs> for I am ruined. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for you is for God to ruin you. Now, if you go back to Isaiah, don't have to flip there, but Isaiah chapter 1, and you go all the way up to chapter 6, eight times, Isaiah goes, woe is you, woe is you, sinful nation, woe is you, you people, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. And all of a sudden, we get to chapter 6, and he says, woe is me. Why? Why does he see everybody else's sin? Why does he see everybody else's stuff? But then when he sees Jesus, he says, no, no, I'm sinful. Woe is me. Because here's what happened. When you see Jesus for who he is, you'll see yourself for who you are. When you see holy, you will see that there's place in my life that I'm unrighteous. There's place in my life I have hidden sin. There's place in my life that's woe is me. So when I ask you to pray, God, ruin me, what I'm asking you is say, God, help me see you for who you truly are. Help me put myself in position because you are the king and I'm not the king. You're the Lord and I'm not the Lord. You are holy and I am not. 
See, when you have a healthy view of Jesus, you have a healthy view of yourself, and it will always lead to repentance, and it will always lead to your obedience. It will ruin you. See, when you see the holiness of God, you'll be like Peter. When he saw Jesus, he says, get away from me. Get away. I am, I am so sinful. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. And some is like, well, is that bad? That's a great place to be. That God, you are so holy. And, you, and I am so unworthy to be even entering your presence. But because of your love and your grace and what Jesus did for me on the cross, I can boldly come before you. God, would you ruin me? Would you ruin me? Would you break me? Literally, that word ruin means to be undone. It means to be taken apart. And here's what I'm asking God to do. God, would you just take me apart? Examine me. Undo me. So my eyes will always be focused on you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray that. If you'd be so bold to pray that. So I'm asking you just to bow your head. And I want you to pray, God, would you ruin me? Ruin me. This is a good thing, not a bad thing. God, would you open up the eyes of my heart? Help me see you sitting on the throne. When panic and depression and anxiety and what everyone thinks about, when all this comes, I don't have to because I'm ruined. You undone me. I've been undone here, Lord. You've broken me and all I see is you. And that's all that matters in life. Woe is me. God, would you please ruin me that I will always see you as the King and the Lord of my life. Ruin me. Okay, here's the third one. Back up here. Heal me. God, would you heal me? There's hundreds of us this morning. We need to be healed. And God, I need you to heal me. That God, you will heal me. Isaiah 6, verse 6, it says this. Then one of the seraphs, you know, with the crazy wings, it kind of reminds me of a hummingbird, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, and he's taken it with the tongs from the altar. And he took the tong and he touched my mouth. Remember, he just said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. He said, well, let's clean your mouth up. And he took this coal and he came and he touched his mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned or has been atoned for. God, heal me. There's a lot of us this morning we need to be healed. I love what the prophet Jeremiah said in 17. He says this, heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. What do you need to be healed from this morning? What do you need to be healed from? Some of you need to be healed from your past. Some of you got this crazy past and you carry all this guilt and all this shame in your life and you need God to heal you from your past. Until you let your past die, it won't let you live. And the reason why some of you can't live today is because you're living in the past. And you can't move on. I've messed up. I made a mistake. This happened. I did this. I'm guilty. I'm dirty. I'm shameful. Some of you, this was last week. Some of you, this was 30 years ago. And you still haven't got past your past. And you got to be healed from your past. Please don't let your past ruin your future. Some of you this morning, you need God to heal you from your past. Some of you need to be healed from your pain. Someone's hurt you. Someone's wronged you. Someone's walked out on you. And you need to forgive them because the pain you carry now is bitterness and resentment in your heart. And you need to be healed from your pain. Some of you need to be healed from your emotions. You have all these negative emotions of worry and anxiety and depression, loneliness, all these negative emotions that produce negative behaviors in our life. We need God to heal us. 
from our negative emotions. Some of you need to be healed from your addiction. And I'm not just talking about substance. Some of you are addicted to your job. You're so addicted to your job that you're losing your family and your wife because you married your workplace instead of your family. You're addicted to it. And you're wondering why your family don't care or people don't respect it's because you're addicted to your job. Some of you are addicted to perfectionism. You got to be perfect in everything. You're so addicted to everything has to be perfect in your life. You need to be healed from that. Because that's a disease that can destroy inside of you and destroy the people around you. You need to be healed from that. Some of you need to be healed from pleasing everyone. You're a people pleaser. And you, you need to be broken from that. Because you're more concerned what other people think about you than even what God thinks about you. And you need to be healed from what people think about you, from pleasing people. Some of you, you're greedy. And you're addicted to it. And you need God to heal you from your greed. Some of you are addicted to gossiping. And all you want to do is gossip and talk about people. And you're addicted to it. God, would you heal me and break me and undo this and ruin me and stretch me and get me past this point? Some of you, listen, you need to be healed from your sin. You need to give your life to Jesus and believe and repent and accept his grace in your life. The prophet Jeremiah said one more time, he says, heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved for you are the one I praise. So here's what I want you to do real quick. I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want you to do something bold right now. If you're here this morning, you need to be healed. And it may be something I didn't even mention. Maybe it's a physical element. Maybe it's an emotional element. Maybe it's this, hey, you just realize I said something and you're a people pleaser. Maybe you realize you're addicted to your job. Maybe you're a perfectionist and you're addicted to that and it's destroying people around you, your marriage because all this OCD stuff is going on. I, I, listen, maybe you say, I just, honestly, I need to be healed. And there's something in your life you need to be healed from. If you would be so bold, would you say, Pastor, I need to be healed and I, you want to raise your hand right now. My hand's up. There's things in my life. I've got emotional pain and trauma in my life. I need to be healed from. I need to let go. Remember last week? There's times in my life I put my faith in my feelings, not my heavenly father. I'm not the same as I used to be, but God's doing a work in my heart. I need to be healed. You know what? By showing your hand right now, by being so bold, I pray right now that God will heal you. Whatever that issue is in your life, that God will heal. Come on, Grace, and get your hand up. That God will heal you. Okay, put your hand down. Here's the second thing I want you to pray. Some of you right now, you need to be saved. The prophet Jeremiah says, heal me, O Lord, you'll heal me, save me, and you'll save me, for you are the one that I praise. Some of you right now, you need to be saved from your sin. Yes, you believe in Jesus, but you never accepted him. You never put your faith and trust in him. You're here at church. We're glad you're here at church. We're glad you come. But it's time for you for this year. Guess what? I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give and surrender my life to him. Is that you this morning? And if that's you, here's what I want you to do. If you would be so bold right now as everyone's praying, God, stretch me, God, ruin me, God, heal me. I want you to pray, God, save me. God, I believe about you, but I never received you. And this is the, this is the day that I want you to save me from my sin. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you be so bold at both of our campus, say, Pastor, right now I need God to save me. Would you be so bold and raise your hand? Come on, you don't have to wait to the invitation. Do it now. Awesome. Anybody else? God, save me. Come on, Grayson, save me. And put your hands down. Now look back up here. God, stretch me. God, ruin me. God, heal me. God, save me. I don't know about you at Grace, and I can't see right through that camera, but right here we just saw three people say, God, save me right now. God, save me. That's the reason we started this church. 
It's for God to save and heal people. Verse 8, then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send then? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Here's the fourth prayer I want you all to pray. God, send me. God, send me. You see, whenever God speaks, it's not up for observation or discussion. It's only for obedience. When God speaks, you don't sit around and go, well, let's talk about this and discuss this. No, when God speaks, you move. When God speaks, you respond in obedience. Some of you right now to pray, you need to pray, God, send me. Send me to my family. Send me to my roommate. Send me to my classmate. Send me to my coach. Send me to my peer. Send me to my spouse. Send me to the cubicle beside me and let me share the gospel with them. God, send me. God, send me to another city so we can start another Better Life Church in that city. God, send me. You mean I can pray that? Why not pray that? We've been praying that for nine years, and God said, okay, go to Grayson, and look what he's done. There's a pioneer movement there that God did that's not been done in eastern Kentucky, where you have multi-site church, where people have this live stream, and we took advantage of technology. Paul would. Paul said, I'll do whatever it takes to reach people. And if we got to broadcast all over from Pikeville to Maysville, from Lexington, we'll go to Huntington by George if he wants us to go. And you know when we go across over to West Virginia, God's doing something good, right? We're praying for the West Virginia Turnpike. We're praying for you guys. Lord, you always got construction. Whatever, why not? God, do something so big. When I'm comfortable, I got a great job, and I'm comfortable, this is where my family is. Lord, send me. Life is short. Hell is hot. Let's go. It's bigger than this. You're not just here for a paycheck. You're not just here for your job. You're not here more just because of your scholarship or case to you. You're here because God wants you to be part of a movement. Send me. And you never, never amazing or forget what God can do if you just say, God, I'm willing to go. Here I am. Ruin me. Undo me. Send me. Break me. Use me. Bless me. Help me. Heal me. Stretch me. God's like, finally, I got somebody. Let's, I'm, I'm going to use this joker. He really believes I can do something in life. Use me to change my school. Use me to change my workplace. Use me to change the place that I live. Use me. And he goes, okay. You ready? God, use me and send me. And here's the fifth and final one. And this is as we go going to take time of our communion together. Oh, we didn't pray that. We didn't pray that. Bow your head. This is going to be a bold prayer for some of you. Can you utter that? God, send me. As the worship team comes on out, God, send me. Send me, Lord. Send me to my spouse, if that's where you want me to go. Send me to my sibling. Send me to my teacher. Send me to my coach. Send me to my roommate, classmate, sorority sister, to fraternity brother. Doesn't matter. Send me to the stranger. Send me to the waitress. Whatever you have for me, send me. Very bold, audacious prayer. Send me. And then here's our last and fifth one. We're going to pray together. God, search me. God, search me. Search me. You would think that we would start with this one. And there's no random order here. You can pray in any order that you want. But God, search me. I want you to listen to what the psalmist said. Psalms 139. This is what I was praying actually this morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Because he knows your heart. God knows my heart. You know what the Bible says? Sometimes our heart will lie to us. 
So God, you know my heart. Search it. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Wow. God, you know every thought I have. Test my thoughts. Test these anxious thoughts. Are they from you or is that irrational? Point out anything in me that offends you. Oh, snap. Imagine you praying that. God, is there anything in my life that offends you? Anything I say, anything I do, anything I drink, anything I smoke, anything I behavior, anything I look at. How I talk about people, how I don't talk about people, how I treat people at work, how I don't treat people at work, or what I talk about kids at school, and I make fun of people at school, and I have people like me. God, is there anything in me that offends you? And if there is, would you, Holy Spirit, convict me and point that out in my life? See, we don't want to pray that. In fact, we're afraid to pray that. Because God began to point out areas in our life. Oh, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have tried that. I shouldn't have whatever it may be for you. So here's what we're going to do as we go and take our time of communion. In fact, the Bible tells us to examine our hearts as we're about to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and I want you to utter these words, God search me. God search me. You know my heart. You know my thoughts. Search me. Now here, keep praying. This is a big one. Holy Spirit, point out anything in my life that offends you. Now listen to him. Maybe it's the way you talk to your kids. Maybe it's the way you talk to your spouse. Maybe it's how you treat people at work. Maybe it's that secret addiction that you have that no one knows. Maybe it's the stingy and the greediness, greedy heart. Maybe it's that unforgiveness spirit. Come on. Isn't that a reason why we come to get our hearts right, prepared to hear Jesus speak to us? Jesus, is there anything that offends you in me? Point it out, please. Whatever the Holy Spirit points out, don't you argue with him. Don't you try to justify. Well, I had a right to say that to her at work. Because she, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't justify it. Repent and say, Jesus, forgive me of that. Now give me the strength not to do it no more. Prepare. Thanks for joining us at Better Life Church. If you'd love to discover more about how you can take your next step with Christ, we'd love for you to visit betterlife.church slash next steps. There you will find help and resources for whatever step God has for you. If you enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. You can also join us live on Sundays or find more resources at betterlife.church. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.